Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Truth Be Told. This is Connor Merritt. And today, a lot of stuff is happening in the news. Um, I was just talking with I was just talking with my friend the other day, um, and I said, you know, remember when the biggest news that was happening was um, that Harry and Meghan um, were dropping their royal titles. I mean, they talked about that. The media talked about that for literally five days, and now it seems like every day something new is happening, and it's tough to keep up with. So this is your shortened, condensed, low-key breakdown of what's happening. Um, and maybe by the time you are listening, something new has developed. And we'll be following those developments closely on our website, which will be up soon. This is Truth Be Told for Young People, and I'm Connor Merritt. All right, let's get into it. A majority of the Minneapolis City Council um, agreed on Friday, agreed to dismantle the city's police department after the killing of George Floyd in police custody. Um, Councilman who's on the city council for Minneapolis, Jeremiah Ellison, told NBC News um, that he, he said the council would work to disband the department in its current um, current state. Now, I really don't know what this means. I'm a little confused, being completely honest, because, you know, I get the whole idea of defunding the police and what police abolition is. But I'm also confused because, you know, they, they're saying that this will be replaced by a community-led initiative. I have no clue what that means. No one really knows what that means, at least to my understanding. But I'm just confused What's going to happen when you call 911? Like, who are they going to send out if it's, you know, a, a law enforcement type of situation? Or, you know, who are you going to call if, if you know, you're in an abusive household, right? Who are you going to call when there's a break-in in your street? Or who are you going to call when um, someone breaks into your house with a gun, right? Like this community safety initiative. Um, so, you know, I really don't know how to feel about this. I, I think I'm mixed ground. I get the idea, you know, why police abolition should be a thing, right? That their control is too powerful. I get that, that they have literally the ability to legally kill people. I get it. Um, but I'm also just a little bit confused because if we start this community initiative, how are you going to make sure, right, that, that these people in the community aren't racist, when you could just expand on training programs and funding for um, development programs for police departments, right? So I, I don't really know how to feel about it. But um, the council's president of Minneapolis, Lisa Bender, vowed to, quote, recreate systems of public safety that actually keep us safe, end quote. You know, obviously, um, the Minneapolis Police Department wasn't keeping people safe, right? Was not keeping George Floyd safe. Um, so really, that's something that we'll be following closely, but I'm very confused and I have very mixed feelings about it. Um, but in other news, in Washington, Senator Mitt Romney, who um, is from Utah, he's a Republican senator. He ran for president against Barack Obama in 2012. Um, he has been a staunch critic of Donald Trump, he was the only Republican senator to vote to convict the president, to remove the president from office um, during those impeachment 
hearings and impeachment proceedings that were happening in December and January. Um, but he actually went in, Mitt Romney, and joined these demonstrators that were marching to the White House on Sunday in protest of these of these police killings and in specifically, you know, Floyd's death. He said, quote, we need a voice against racism. We need many voices against racism and against brutality. And we need to stand up and say black lives matter, end quote. Um, that's what he said. And I think that it's, you know, kind of shocking to hear, especially because right before kind of this era of Trumpism, right, when Trump got into office, right before this era, Mitt Romney was the face of the Republican Party. Him and Paul Ryan were running against, you know, Barack Obama in 2012. And here he is openly, you know, not only protesting um, with the Black Lives Matter movement, which Donald Trump has, you know, kind of failed to support, but he also is marching to the White House. And we all know what that symbolizes, right? We're saying that when we're marching to the White House, we're saying that, hey, this president isn't doing enough. This is what you need to be doing. This is what we're protesting. And in this case, it's racism and police brutality and white supremacy and all this stuff. You know, you're marching to the White House. You're saying the president is not doing enough to fix this problem of systemic injustice. And a Republican senator, uh, Senator Mitt Romney, joined these protesters. I think that's really interesting. And I think that does speak to a testament, right? What is Mitt Romney trying to do here? You know, I, I don't think, I think he knows that he's not going to be the presidential nominee ever again. He was definitely a strong, formidable nominee in 2012. But I think he knows, hey, maybe I'm probably not going to be the president anytime soon, you know, in my lifetime. So I think a little bit. I don't think he's doing this to just get famous. I think he is doing this because he's realizing that he doesn't have to play to the base of the Republican Party, right, which kind of thrusts money into the Republican Party and and puts all of these advertisements and super PACs into the re-election committees. I think that he's realizing that we need to do what's best for this country. You know, and hey, I might be a Republican on, you know, these issues, whether economic, foreign policy, national security, but, you know, we should all be able to come together and call out abuse of power and obstruction of justice like he did in the impeachment trial. He actually only voted on one of them to convict the president, and I can't remember. I believe it was abusive, I believe it was obstruction of Congress. I don't remember. Um, you'll have to check that out yourself. But, um, right, I mean, this is a really big testament, and I think it does show a growing riff in the Republican Party, right? You saw, and, and we'll touch on this a little bit later, and I'm kind of really going off on a tangent. I don't know why I started to talk about Mitt Romney, but um, I think that we saw in 2016, too, is that a lot of Republicans were hesitant to support Donald Trump. I know my very moderate, um, very bipartisan, you know, he's in the, I think in the top 10 most bipartisan senators, according to that Georgetown um, McCourt School of Public Policy analysis. Um, he, you know, was one of the first senators to come out in support of gay marriage. He has a lot of these moderate stances, but he also said, you know, after those Access Hollywood tapes, if you don't remember those Access Hollywood tapes, um, that's when you know, I'm not going to repeat them on here, but that's when Donald Trump said, you know, on those tapes, when you're a celebrity, they let you do it, grab them by the, um, the P word, I guess, um, you know, women, uh, private parts. And, um, you know, he said that he wasn't going to support Donald Trump after that, my Senator. So I do think that this 
really does show a testament to the growing rift that's in the Republican Party between those Trump supporters and between, you know, what the Republican Party used to be. You know, people like McCain, people like um, Mitt Romney, people like, you know, uh, Paul Ryan. And those people really do showcase that rift. All right, but let's get back to Minneapolis. I really do not know why I strayed so far from from what's happening in Minneapolis, but the mayor of Minneapolis, uh, Jacob Fry, uh, said that he would work, quote, relentlessly with police chief uh, Midaria Arodano toward, quote, deep structural reform and to address systemic racism in police culture, end quote. Um, Mayor Jacob Fry does not support um, abolishing the Minneapolis Police Department, but he does say that he's ready to, quote, dig in and enact more community-led safety strategies on behalf of our city, end quote. And a spokesperson for the police did not immediately respond to um, any major news source that I could find for um, comments. And obviously this is stemming from Floyd's death, uh, which was almost two weeks ago. Protests are still raging across the country, um, and that was when a police officer, Derek Chauvin, pressed his knee into Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes, and the killing, which was captured on video, sparked massive protests across the United States. Obviously, we know that. Um, but also, too, you know, Chauvin was fired. He was charged with second-degree murder and other crimes, and the other three officers were also fired, and they have been charged with, you know, helping, aiding, and abetting. Last week, the Minnesota governor, uh, Tim Walz, he's a Democrat, said the state was launching a civil rights investigation into the police department. Excuse me. Whoa. Okay. He was launching a civil rights investigation into the police department aimed at rooting out, quote, systemic racism that is generations deep, end quote. Uh, Important to note here, Governor Tim Walz is white. Uh, Investigators will review these police policies as part of these civil rights investigations um, and procedures. They'll review these police policies and procedures from up to the last decade to determine whether the department's practices are systematically discriminating um, against people of color. And the council welcomed the announcement and said, the city council welcomed the announcement and said the department should be accountable for any abuses of power. Um, In other news, in your you know, kind of national politics news. Joe Biden, the Democratic nominee, he's officially the Democratic nominee. I know that confused a lot of people, like why now he's the officially the Democratic nominee. I thought he already was. He kind of already was, like like really he already was because Sanders had dropped it. There was no one running against him really, even though Sanders' name was still on the ballot. You could still vote for him, but he dropped out. Um, so he just was the presumptive nominee. But now after what's called June's Day, um, after some of these states had primaries in June and Joe Biden won in these primary states, um, they were he able he was able to get that official delegate count. And I know that's really confusing, but he's officially the Democratic nominee now. But Joe Biden, he opposes the defunding of police departments. His presidential campaign um, said that on Monday. Um, This really does put this Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, at odds with this position that has grown popular among protesters, you know, that are demonstrating nationwide against 
police brutality, and racism. But I actually think that this is a smart move for the campaign. Um, they're trying to win over, you know, ex-Republicans or, or even just Republicans who are looking for a change from Trump. And, you know, those Republicans who take those more traditional social criminal justice stances are really not going to take lightly to defunding the police department and abolishing the police department. And so if he wants to get those votes, which I think that he could, um, you know, especially those voters in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Florida that are going to be taking those stances, um, then I think that that's something that he needs to consider, right? That maybe he shouldn't take this radical approach because whatever way you look at it, right, it is radical, right, um, to our norms, so I, I think that it is smart of his campaign to say that they don't believe that the police should be defunded. Um, but here's what the campaign said, and I'm just going to read it to you. Um, so the campaign does propose new funding for community policing and diversifying police departments, of course, but this is what he said, or the campaign said. Quote, as his criminal justice proposal made clear months ago, Vice President Biden does not believe that police should be defunded. He hears and shares the deep grief and frustration of those calling out for change and is driven to ensure that justice is done and that we put a stop to this terrible pain. Biden supports the urgent need for reform, including funding for public schools, summer programs, and mental health and substance abuse treatment separate from funding for policing so that officers can focus on the job of policing. This also means funding community policing programs that improve relationships between officers, residents, and provides the training that is needed to avert tragic, unjustifiable deaths, end quote. Um, you know, but this movement to defund the police has gained traction, especially, you know, in Minneapolis when George Floyd was killed, but it's also gained traction across the country. Um, and world leaders, Justin Trudeau, um, the prime or the chancellor, I guess they're called, of, of Germany. Um, they haven't necessarily said that the police should be defunded, but they have come out against these police officers and sort of against Trump, right? For not only, you know, um, for not only saying that these protesters were thugs, but for also threatening the military against these protesters. A lot of these world leaders have come out against, um, against President Trump. Um, but let's focus in one country specifically, um, England. You know, our friend across the sea, um, Boris Johnson did come out in support of these protesters. He didn't necessarily come out against Donald Trump, but I guess in a way, if you listen to his speech, which I won't play for you because I know that you don't have want to have the time to listen to it, um, but kind of, I guess, coming in support, coming out in support of these protesters is in a way coming out against Donald Trump, just because that he did threaten to sick the military on these protesters. But in England, Black Lives Matter protesters took down a statue of Edward Colston, um, who was a slave owner. Um, and it was in the center of Bristol, United Kingdom. They took it down on Sunday and tossed it into the Bristol Harbor. Um, conservative, conservative, um, uh, uh, leader, conservative leader uh, for Bristol from 1917 to uh, 1714, Colston defended the city's right to trade enslaved Africans. Uh, Colston ran, who the statue is of, 
the Royal African Company for more than a decade before opening up the transatlantic slave trade for the British city. Colston also invested in the Spanish slave trade as well as in slave-produced sugar. The statue has been a point of contention for the city and for the country of England, which has gone back and forth for the last decade about adding a plaque to elaborate on Colston's slave trade ties. Uh, protesters can be seen in videos that emerged Sunday on social media throwing the statue into the city's harbor. Um, so my thoughts on this, you know, good for them, right? If the city's not going to take it down, they're going to take it down anyways. I do wonder, though, what the historical significance of this statue was. You know, um, I do think that, of course, we cannot forget that slavery existed. And I don't necessarily believe that they should be in public places, but I believe that statues of, of you know, of slave owners and the Confederate flag, I do think that they deserve to be in museums. Because if we forget that this this law, right, this society of people owning other people because of their color of their skin, if we forget that inhumanity, if we forget that, just that amorality, that immorality, then it's dangerous because then we risk um, never remembering that people do suffer from slavery today, even though they may not have, you know, obviously they may not have been slaves. People are still facing systemic racism and if we forget that that systemic racism exists or where the root cause of that systemic racism is in our history, then we risk forgetting that systemic racism is a real thing. So that's just something to interest, you know, interesting to think about. But I don't believe, of course, that a slave, a slave trader should be revered in a public area, but I do think that they shouldn't be revered. But I do think that they should be held in museums and in educational programs for people to learn our history because if we forget our history, we risk it repeating. Okay, so let's move on. I know that was a little bit of a, a tangent from what we were talking about, but let's go on to back to Washington, D.C., where House Speaker Nancy Pelosi from California, she is the Speaker of the House, meaning that she's the most powerful, arguably most powerful Democrat right now, but she's definitely the most powerful uh women in Congress, um, but her and other top Democrats in the House and in the Senate on Monday unveiled far-reaching legislation to overhaul policing in the United States as protests over excessive force by law enforcement um, against African Americans and others are continuing to gripple our nation. Um, the bill, called the, quote, Justice in Policing Act, end quote, would ban chokeholds, which actually France banned chokeholds, but it would ban chokeholds, including the kind used by um, the Minneapolis police officer, who's now been fired, um, that killed George Floyd. It would also ban no-knock warrants, which is how um, that unfortunate black woman died in Louisville, Kentucky, where the police were responding, were, were going into an apartment that had a no with a no-knock warrant, so they didn't have to warn that they were coming in. Uh, Brianna Taylor, her boyfriend, thought that it was someone breaking in, and, and the police think that the boyfriend was shooting, so the police shot back and struck um, innocent Brianna Taylor uh, in Louisville. Um, so it would ban those, those no-knock warrants in drug cases, uh, and that was used in the incident leading to the fatal shooting of Brianna Taylor in Louisville um, in March, which has also been a point of contention. 
right, um, what's happening with those no-knock warrants. Now, um, moving on to the, the Senate, the legislation has more than 200 Democratic co-sponsors in the House and in the Senate. Um, and it would also require local police departments to send data on the use of force to the federal government and create a grant program that it would allow state attorneys, uh, attorney generals to create an independent process to investigate misconduct or excessive force. Um, and the bill would make it easier for people to recover damages when police departments violate their civil rights. So I'm also confused about that, though. Damages, do they mean emotional damages, too? Um you know, because obviously I think it is emotional, tra emotionally traumatizing when you have your civil rights violated. The bill would also, um, for the first time in our history, would make lynching a federal hate crime. That's obviously also been a point of contention um, on the Senate floor and um, throughout our history. Um, and this bill would, if passed, right, it needs a majority of the House to pass, which it'll get because there's um, you know, majority of Democrats in the House, but in the Senate, it might have trouble passing because uh, in the Senate, there's a Republican majority. Um, but Pelosi said that in the coming weeks, the House will hold hearings on markup, so they'll take notes based off these hearings, basically. So they'll have these hearings, and then they, they might say, oh, actually, maybe we need to add this to the bill, right? And they'll, like, literally write notes on the bill and, and cut things, add things, change the language, and then they'll vote on the legislation, the whole body. So over 400 people will vote. Um, if you're concerned about how your congressmen or congresswomen will vote, or congressperson, I guess, will vote, you know, go on, you know, you can just Google who is my congressman, and you'll find the the government's website, the House of Representatives website, and you just type in your zip code and it'll give you your two senators. Everyone has two senators and everyone has one representative. So your senator is um, the same across your whole entire state. So everyone in the state where you live has the same two senators um, and your, <clears throat> your representative in the House of Representatives is determined just kind of like by your community. So it might be, you know, it's usually a little bigger than your county, um, so that's definitely something go check out, right? If you think that, hey, I want my congressperson to, to vote on this bill and make sure that chokeholds are banned and make sure that lynching is a federal hate crime and make sure that there's an independent process to investigate police misconduct and all that stuff, um, go ahead and reach out. Um, but Democratic leaders expressed confidence that it would pass the House, like I just said, and Pelosi said that she hopes the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's a Republican from Kentucky, staunch defender of Donald Trump, would, she said, swiftly take it up. Uh, Senate Minority Leader, who leads the Democratic Party in the Senate, they have, you know, the, the least amount of seats in, compared, to the, in, compared to the Republican Party, he's from New York, said at the news conference that Senate Democrats are going to, quote, fight like hell to make the legislation a reality, adding, quote, the poison of racism has permeated American society beyond that just of the criminal justice system. The measure comes in the wake of massive protests, right? Um, and some activists have been calling for the defunding of police departments, but the bill doesn't shrink police budgets. The legislation, you know, just makes it more, um, you know, more kind of punitive, I guess, but also more ethical. It makes police departments more ethical. 
Um, but the legislation would not provide new funding to police departments to implement the proposed um, reforms. So the police departments have to to um, pay for it themselves. The Congressional Black Caucus chairwoman, Karen Bass, um, who is a Democrat from California, who played a lead role in crafting this legislation, said at a press conference that the power of protesting across the country will help Congress pass this measure, uh, which would help hold police accountable um, in increasing transparency. Um, and that arguably would change police culture against brutality and against racism. Just before the news conference, in an act of solidarity and an act of remembrance, Pelosi and other Democratic lawmakers had knelt for eight minutes and 46 seconds in silent tribute to George Floyd. In response to this, this is what Donald Trump tweeted, and I'll read it to you. Quote, This year has seen the lowest crime numbers in our country's recorded history, and now the radical left Democrats want to defund and abandon our police. Sorry, I want law and order. And law and order is in all caps. That's what he quoted. To be clear, this legislation does not call for the defunding of police departments. Um, but the bill was developed by the Congressional Black Caucus chairwoman, who is a Democrat, uh, Jerry Nadler, who is a Democrat, and Senator Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. Harris, who I love um, just because, you know, I, I love her not because of her political beliefs, but I think that, you know, her her being a role model, you know, not saying that I love her, I don't like her political beliefs, I'm not going to give you that away, but I'm not going to give that away. But I like her because I think that she's a really good role model, and I think that she handles these situations really well, um, and I think that she does act like a good leader. Um, but Harris, Senator Harris, she ran for president, um, and she got massive, massive media coverage because she questioned Joe Biden on his history of busing. Busing is basically back, you know, when Brown v. Board of Education happened in 1954, states did not want to integrate public schools. Um, they just didn't really feel like it because they were racist, right? And so it wasn't really until the 60s and the 70s that we really started to see massive integration of public schools. And how they did that was through busing, right? They would have these buses go pick up kids in predominantly white neighborhoods or predominantly black neighborhoods and take them to the same school. Or they'd pick up kids in black neighborhoods and take them to the white school, predominantly white school. And she criticized Joe Biden for you know, not really taking on a, a strong enough stance to... to fund busing, to keep it going, to strengthen busing. But now she's considered a possible vice presidential pick for Joe Biden, um, who is now the Democratic nominee. Uh, she is a formal federal prosecutor, um, and she said that the country needs independent investigations into the use of force. Um, and Harris also said that there must be a national use of force standard. Um, but in other news, I talked about a few days ago Really, I talked about a few days ago that, you know, these military generals and other Republican leaders, you know, I talked earlier at this podcast that um, Mitt Romney, they are all coming out against, you know, Donald Trump because he threatened to invoke the Insurrection Act, which basically allows the president to to kind of sick the military against the American people. So this rare rift, right, is, is being completely laid out in public, 
Um, it has opened between the president of the United States, Donald Trump, and senior military leaders over these threats. As you know, as the United States does brace for another day of unrest and mourning, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper broke publicly with Trump on Wednesday in an appearance at the Pentagon and said that active duty military troops should not be used to quell the protests. And other military leaders soon followed who work under Donald Trump. So this is really a rare public rift, and this is not going to look good for President Trump because, you know, he's trying to say, I'm the president of law and order. Are you the president of law and order when you're secretary of defense, right? When the secretary of defense and the Pentagon is coming out against you, is that law and order? It's questionable. But also, also, What's really interesting, former president, he was a Republican, George W. Bush, he was a Republican, and his voters carried Donald Trump. A lot of those voters carried Donald Trump. This former president will not support the reelection of Trump. And Jeb Bush, his brother, who also ran for president, his politician from Florida, is not sure how he'll vote. Um, and that's really striking when you have a former president of the United States who's in your party, right, who's in Trump's party, saying, I'm not voting for Trump. I'm not going to support the re-election of Mr. Trump, Mr. Uh, President of the United States. That's really crazy. And I wonder how this will play in the election. And later on, I talk about polling data and what that means and what that's looking like. But right now, it does not look, for, not look good for President Trump. And you know, President George W. Bush coming out against him is not going to fare well. Uh, like I said before, Senator Mitt Romney is not going to back Trump um, and is deliberating whether, again, to write in his wife, um, Anne, um, at, you know, for president instead of having to actually vote for a president, or if he'll cast um, a ballot for Joe Biden uh, this November. Cindy McCain, the widow of Senator John McCain, who Donald Trump really did not like, and, and, and you know, Mr. Senator McCain really did come out against some of Trump's policies. Notably, he came out against, you know, a Republican-led, Trump-supported, backed initiative to kind of undercut Obamacare. He came out against that. Um, but Cindy McCain is almost certain to support uh, Joe Biden, but she might not go public because her son is, is uh, I guess, eyeing a run for, for office. Most notably, former Secretary of State under George Bush, Colin Powell, um, under a Republican president, he's Republican, announced on Sunday that he will vote for Biden. He told CNN that Trump, quote, lies about things, end quote, and Republicans in Congress won't hold him accountable, right? Keep in mind that no Republican voted to impeach President Trump in the House, and only one Republican, uh, Senator Romney, voted to convict the president um, during that impeachment trial to remove him from office. Uh, Colin Powell, who voted for former President Barack Obama, as well as Hillary Clinton, said that he was close to Mr. Biden politically and socially, and he had worked with him for more than 35 years. He said that he will be voting for him. Uh, none of these Republicans voted for Mr. Trump in 2016. I'm sorry. Um, I'm talking, not talking about uh, George Bush. I'm talking about um, Colin Powell. Colin Powell did not vote for Trump in 2016, but the reapproach of big Republican names carries a different weight 
when an incumbent president and his shared agenda with the Senate leaders are on the line. Former Republican leaders, like the former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who literally was Mitt Romney's vice presidential pick running against Joe Biden for the vice presidency in 2012, um, and John Boehner, I always pronounce his name wrong, they just won't say how they will vote. They're both Republicans, right? And what should they should be saying is, are you going to be voting for Trump? They should be like, heck yeah, I'm voting for Trump, MAGA 2020. But they're not. They don't know how they'll vote. Um, and that's, that's really something. And that's not going to fare well for Trump, that these big names in the Republican Party who represent, right, this nostalgic era of politics um, that wasn't so divisive, that wasn't so mean, that wasn't so immature, right? This mature era of politics, Paul Ryan and John Boehner. If they won't vote for Trump, that's going to help Biden a lot. And that's going to hurt Trump a lot. Some Republicans who are already disinclined to support Trump are weighing whether to go beyond backing a third-party candidate to openly endorse um, President Biden. Retired military leaders who have guarded their private political views are increasingly voicing their their hesitance to vote Donald Trump and their unease about his leadership, but they are unsure whether or not to embrace his opponent. Um, but Joe Biden is a moderate, right? He's not nearly as progressive as Elizabeth Warren or um, Bernie Sanders, but he is still a Democrat, right? So it would be hard. I mean, imagine being supportive of Republican ideals and identifying as Republican your whole life and then having to switch one election. So it will be tough for them, but I wonder if they will come out and, and support of Joe Biden. Uh, former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis's uh, blistering criticism, as I talked about last episode, of President Trump in the admission this week by Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. She said that she is struggling with whether to vote for the sitting president of her own party. Those things have intensified the the really the opposition to President Trump it forced a number of Republican officials to reckon um, to reckon with whether or not they should state out loud that President Trump is unfit for office. You know, I do think that he has not even tried to lead this country. He's not even tried to unite this country, um, and he hasn't said Black Lives Matter. Um. Republic, uh, William McRaven, who was a retired naval admiral who directed the raid that killed Osama bin Laden, said that this fall, November, it's time for new leadership in this country, Republican, Democrat, or Independent. President Trump has shown he doesn't have the qualities necessary to be a good commander-in-chief, end quote. Uh, admiral McRaven, in an interview, noted that those wartime leaders inspired Americans with their words, their actions, and their humanity. Um, and he said that Trump has failed this leadership test. John Kelly, Trump's former chief of staff, uh, who worked very closely with Trump, right? A chief of staff is, is a very uh, important job, <clears throat> and you work very close with the president. He's also, John Kelly, <coughs> excuse me, a retired Marine general. He would not say who he's going to vote for, although he did allow that he wished that he had additional choices. Joseph Maguire, a retired three-star admiral who served as Mr. Trump's acting intelligence chief, um, criticized the president this week, shared the comments of Secretary Mattis, um, Jim Mattis. President Donald Trump began his week Monday by making fun of 
Romney, like I said, for participating in that Black Lives Matter protest. Um, He said, President Trump said, tremendous sincerity. What a guy. Hard to believe with this kind of political talent, his numbers would tank so badly in Utah. That's what Trump said. The president, who actually has worse polling numbers than the 2012 presidential nominee, that has worse polling numbers than Mitt Romney, remains angry that Romney was the only Republican senator to vote to convict him on impeachment charges. They've definitely had a contentious relationship um, throughout history. Um, But also, you know, let's go kind of into these polling data, and I won't necessarily um, go into more about what happened with the city and, and what happened with Colin Powell, you know, because I think that that I already did a um, brief overview. So let's let's go into the polling data, which is really interesting. Since January, Trump's approval rating has tanked, right? Because this is what happened: impeachment, boom; coronavirus, boom; this, boom; and now this is all coming to a head, and Donald Trump does not know what to do. So the American public is kind of kind of souring on President Trump. A new CNN poll finds Trump's approval rating down seven points in the last month as the president falls further behind uh, Joe Biden, whose support now stands at its highest level in CNN polling, higher than Hillary Clinton's ever did. You know, during this time, this far ahead before a presidential election, Hillary Clinton's numbers were never this high. Um, and she won the popular vote. The survey also finds a growing majority of Americans feel racism is a big problem in this country and that the criminal justice system in America favors whites over blacks. More than 8 in 10 also say that the peaceful protesters have spread throughout the nation um, are justified, right? And that's interesting. That's not going to do all for Trump because he called them thugs, right? And he said that he's the president of law and order. He shoved those protesters out of the way for that picture with the Bible. Um, But now these 8 in 10 Americans say, hey, These protests are justified. You have to let them speak their piece. Americans now consider race relations as important as a campaign issue as the economy, healthcare, um, and those issues. But also, too, out of those polled, Joe Biden, they say that Joe Biden can handle race relations and healthcare better, um, but they do still say that Trump can handle the um, economy better. 38%. 38% approve of the way Trump is handling the presidency. 57% disapprove. That's his worst approval rating since January 2019. And is roughly the same approval ratings for Jimmy Carter and George H.W. Bush, not W. Bush, the one before that, at this point in their re-election years, and both of those presidents lost um, after one term. President Trump stands 14 points behind Biden, uh, who is officially the Democratic nominee, And the 41% who say they back the president is the lowest in CNN's tracking history. Um, And Biden's 54% support is his highest mark yet. The result comes amid a week in which Trump's response to protests outside the White House led to condemnation from those fellow Republicans, former Secretary, Defense Secretary James Mattis, who served under Trump. And support for Trump is kind of scarce outside of his own party. Among independents, 52% say they back Biden versus 41% for Trump. Only 37% say they approve of his handling of the presidency and 68% feel his response to the protests has been harmful. 
and any goodwill the president has earned among Democrats appears gone. Only 1% of Democrats say they would choose Trump if the election were held today, and just 2% of Democrats now say they approve of the way Trump is handling the presidency, the worst measure of his presidency and matching the all-time opposite party low point in CNN or Gallup polling back to Roosevelt. And now the Democratic approval of Republican W. Bush hit 2% in an October 2008 poll, but now Trump has the lowest approval rating against Democrats, among Democrats. So it's definitely something that, to keep in mind. You know, will he be able to carry those counties and states that he flipped from, Ob- from voting to Obama? Probably not. And also in all of these swing states, right, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, actually I don't know about Pennsylvania, but Ohio, Michigan, Florida, Arizona, he's up in the polls, Joe Biden. You know, he is leading. Um, And especially in a state like Ohio, where it's been shifting more right. Could Joe Biden come in here and sweep it? I don't know. But I think after these protests and the way that Trump has not really been able to unify us, I think so. Well, anyways, that has been your In Focus for June. What is the date today? I don't even know. There's so much news happening right now that I don't even know what date it is. June 8th of 2020. And we will be back in two days for our next episode. And keep in, uh, make sure you subscribe and you like and you leave a review if you want some more episodes, if you want me to do this more often, or if you think that every two days is too much, whatever you think, if you want them to be shorter, subscribe, like, comment, and I'll make sure to listen to those comments. Um, Also, keep on uh, the lookout for our website. That'll definitely uh, let you guys know about that. Um, And also keep out on the lookout for a new episode that I'm doing. It could be a series entitled, What the Heck Happened with the Coronavirus? Where I kind of can delve into, you know, exactly what happened. What did Trump know? When did he know it? What did he do in response? What did he say in response? What did Democrats do in response? What did they say in response? And how it kind of played out. So let me know if that's something that you're looking forward to. But again, this has been your In Focus. I'm Connor Merritt, and thank you for listening to Truth Be Told.